Hello, everyone. It's Monday, so we've got another episode of the Road to Revenue series. Today's episode is one of my favorite trainings yet. The Cobbler's Kids Have No Shoes. What did we cover today? The biggest lesson I've learned this week and how to seek open minds, open hands, and open hearts. Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaway from today's episode, and check the show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs, the Playbook. All right, let's get started um, with the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Uh, Number one, I have a saying, don't get so busy you forget what you have. Uh, In other words, so many people take for granted what other people are wishing for. They get so busy, uh, inaccessible, unaccessible. They get so busy, they forget what they have. And if we can make a practice of gratitude, uh, then we can have uh, the ability to not take for granted what other people are wishing for or what we're wishing for. Uh, the idea behind Cobbler's Kids Have No Shoes, though, is that someone has a specific skill, a knowledge or desire, and is often too busy assisting others that their own affairs go unattended. And I see this so many different times in my life that the most intentionally wonderful giving people that have extraordinary skills, knowledge, and desire are so busy assisting everybody else that their own affairs go unattended. And one of those affairs that go unattended is their health. Uh, And then they end up getting exactly what they don't want because they want to take care of others, but then others have to take care of them or their wealth or their happiness or their worthiness. And all three and four of those things, sorry, uh, are specific things that we are so, with good intentions, giving away that we don't take care of our own affairs. The cobbler's kids have no shoes. And I want you to take inventory today of this and ask yourself, I need to receive and utilize my skills for me so then I can give it away with appreciation. So uh, with the good intention of helping others, How do we reconcile with this idea of the more we give, the more we receive? Uh, And this is an area where so many people don't realize you can't give what you don't have. Uh, And what what I try to teach is that if we have this much right here, if we have this much right here and we appreciate it, meaning now that we are paying attention to it, giving it our intention for us, if we appreciate it with gratitude and forgiveness, accountability and inspiration, it expands because appreciation is uh, defined as adding value. And if you add value, it expands. So then the next step in giving away, the more we give, the more we receive is the only way you know what you have is to give it away. So the only way to know what we have is to give it away. We then uh, can acknowledge, acquire the knowledge of what we have by giving it away. Now we have a bigger vessel to fill. And most people are afraid to ask. So the more we receive, the more we can give, the more you give, the more you receive. For some reason, a lot of uh, what we are taught leaves out rule number one. You can't give what you don't have. So let's practice receiving before we give so that the more we receive, the more we can give, the more we give, the more we receive through appreciation and acknowledgement. 
And the practices of appreciation and acknowledgement are the best way to make sure that the cobbler's kids have shoes instead of no shoes. Uh, and, you know, that acknowledgement allows us to, and leads us to a second area uh, that I see, which is don't get so busy making a living you forget to live. Don't, don't get so busy making a living that you forget to live. Who is benefiting from your skills, knowledge, and desire? Um, and I remember uh, my wife bringing this to my attention. Um, and, you know, we were sitting at dinner and, and very successful financially. We had everything we dreamed of. Uh, I was still in the realm that money buys love, money buys happiness, and money is the most important thing. My values were family first, money second, or at the time I call it activity, I get paid for second, and then my health. Little did I know that if you put family first and you put your, um, your family first and your activity you get paid for a second, you'll never get to your health. But more importantly, I did understand what family first meant. So I was sitting at dinner one night and of course somebody called and I answered it and I walked away from dinner. I had all four of my children there and I came back 15 minutes later, everybody was almost done with dinner and my wife did not look happy. And she looked at me and she said, you know, why is it that you care about people that you barely know or don't even know more than your family? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm doing this for my family. What are you talking about? She said, David, you care about your family, but you're out there always paying attention to and giving your intention to people you barely know and don't even know. And you're ignoring us. We're not getting what you, you're not living. <laughs> You're getting so busy making a living, you're not living. You're ignoring the people that you're doing it for. And so you got to have a weighted balance in your life. You have to take inventory of your values. You have to have those five daily practices to say to yourself, today, this is what's personally important to me, experientially important to me, giving wise important to me, and receiving wise so that you don't get so busy, forget what you have, and you don't get for busy making a living that you forget to live. And we need to ask ourselves, who is benefiting from our skills, our knowledge, and our desire? That's why the cobbler's kids have no shoes, because the people with those skills all have shoes. He doesn't have time to put the shoes on his own kids. Uh, and we do this all the time. The next lesson is don't get so busy working, you forget to make money. So to exacerbate the situation that most people get so busy making a living, they forget to live. They also get so busy making a living, they forget to make money, <laughs> which is crazy. They haven't taken a step back with the five daily practices of the what, the who, the how, the now to apply the why. And they haven't taken a timing and risk assessment of what they're utilizing their activity. They get paid for activity they don't get paid for and even their sleep. Um, and this is why a routine and an adaptable routine are so important. Uh, it's not good enough just to have a routine. It's more important to have a adaptable routine uh, that gives your non-negotiables. What do I mean by that? So my tomorrow starts today. Uh, an unwinding routine 
is critical. And I learned today, you know, it's a, a, another aspect of the four things. So the four things that we need in life to survive is sleep, water, food, and air. If you want to remember to live, then you need to make sure you have the appropriate sleep, the appropriate food, the appropriate water, and the appropriate air, breathing. Uh, and so many people get so uh, busy that they don't have a routine. So you want to have a, a routine that has an unwinding routine that takes into consideration your sleep, because it's amazing how many people, this just amazes me, how many people go to bed to rest and wake up more tired. That's counterintuitive. So you need to have an unwinding routine that takes into consideration your food, your rest, your air, and your water and have different things for, for that. Now, that routine then leads to a plateau and growth strategy where you're utilizing your time with activity that you have planned and don't have planned to be efficient, effective, and statistically successful. The key to it, though, is this adaptable routine. Uh, and in order, if your value is to you know, have activity you get paid for, then you want to be able to assess that you're making money. Uh, and you know, if you're going to have activity you get paid for, you want to get paid. If you're going to go to sleep, for rest, you want to be rested. These all utilize what I call an adaptable routine, knowing your non-negotiables. You have to be able to prioritize. And in order to prioritize, you need to know your what, your who, your how, and your now. You absolutely need to know that. So in order to do that, you need to be able to say, number one, my health is my number one non-negotiable. So what I sleep, eat, drink, and breathe, those things I need to become an expert at. It's non-negotiable because if you are healthy, utilizing what you sleep, eat, drink, and you're breathing, if you are healthy, you'll have as many wishes in a day as you want. If you're unhealthy, you only get one. So the non-negotiable adaptable routine when what you have planned is not going to work out is essential. Then you can have family. I give a minimum amount of time to each of my family members. Then you can have uh, the activity you get paid for. Each of those different things, you don't, number one, with your health, want to get so busy that you forget to appreciate what you have. You don't want to be so busy making a living that you forget to live. And you don't want to be so busy that you have activity you get paid for, but you don't get paid. You need to know those non-negotiables. You need to take inventory in order to have those non-negotiables of these values. You need to know what do I want personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise in the context of these questions. Am I forgetting what I have? Am I forgetting to live? Am I forgetting to make money? And then you can effectuate the best values and importance by knowing who can help me, who I can help, and how can I best get this done to not forget to live, not forget to make money, and not forget uh, to, what I have, to have appreciation. These are critical questions that you want to write down, utilizing the importance value uh, adjustments that you need to make of what's important to me. What should be important to you is what you have, that how you're living, and how much uh, of the other currency money that you're, you're making. If you're going to spend your time sleeping, get rest. If you're going to spend your time in activity, get paid for it, get paid. Don't confuse yourself with ego-based emotions of wondering what other people are going to think, what other people want for you, what they don't want or what's missing. Take inventory of the what, the who, the how, the now, 
you'll be able to apply the why to the routine you have set and a adaptable routine, a non-negotiable adaptable routine that is applicable to life. Because if you want to make God laugh, you want to come up with a well-developed plan or routine, and then you will be able to effectuate more efficient behavior by being able to adapt uh, and adjust in that. Now, the next question to think about, uh, and if anybody wants uh, those five daily practices, ebook, audiobook, please uh, just go ahead and email me, david at dmelter.com. Make sure you're putting in questions here. We're going to be answering them about why and how in your life you feel like you're the cobbler. You know, do your kids have shoes or are you spending all your time being too busy to forget what you have, too busy to make a living uh, and forget to live, too busy with activity you get paid for and not get paid, too busy uh, sleeping to not get rest. Uh, but the last one is the most important one, which is don't get so busy that you forget to be thankful. Um, you know, with everything I teach, uh, the gratitude that I have, gratitude is a practice. And, you know, going back to the basics, uh, I want everyone to start a practice of gratitude. Uh, I changed my life uh, with a simple 0.1 seconds for free saying thank you before I went to bed and when I went and woke up. How many of you out there think you can say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up? How many out there think that they can say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up for 30 straight days, because if you can, it will change your life. I've studied physics, quantum physics, and metaphysics. I have been around the greatest thought leaders of the world, the Jack Canfields, the Deepak Chopras, the Saad Gurus, the Oprah Winfrey's. All of them have some sort of gratitude practice that they publicly share and solicit with gratitude apps and journals and all types of commercialized gratitude mechanisms because gratitude has been the superpower for all the superpowers. Gratitude itself, a simple thank you, 0.1 seconds for free will change your life with all the complexities, all the content, everything I've written, do, speak, meetups, everything that we have, gratitude still is the cornerstone. And I wanted to take time to remind you, remember, and recollect how important it is to say thank you and to start a practice by lowering the bar. Who here has 0.1 seconds every day? Who has 0.1 seconds in the morning, 0.1 seconds at night to establish the vessel and appreciate the vessel of and acknowledge what we have through these different questions, through gratitude, you will know what you have. You will not take for granted what other people are wishing for, what you want. You will not forget to live. You will not forget to create abundance, to make money, to live between limitlessness and infinity. And through gratitude, everything appreciates. You add value to everything by finding the light, the love, and the lessons. Here's what's so interesting about gratitude, though. I don't think anyone on earth uh, disagrees with the power of gratitude. I think that in varying degrees, people utilize gratitude to find light, love, and lessons, uh, to look at a glass as half uh, full or overflowing. Gratitude can allow us to find light and love where nobody else can. See, when you use gratitude, there's only one question to ask. Is it worth my time, emotion, and money in order to find it if it's not apparent? See, in our quantum being, certain things naturally we're grateful for we naturally find the light, the love, and the lessons in it. Um, in other things, we have to work at it. 
Uh, and then there's things at times we have to work at and other times naturally. So if anyone's in a relationship, an intimate relationship, especially, or you have teenage daughters like me, there's different times uh, that it's more difficult to find the light, the love and the lessons, but gratitude is the key. You don't have to go over it, under it, through it, around it. You don't have to accelerate in the wrong direction, create void shortages and obstacles. You don't have to because gratitude is the key. It will allow you to find the light, the love, and the lessons. It will make everything effortless in your life. And if you could say simple thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up for 30 straight days, I guarantee it will change your life. I've been around the greatest thought leaders, metaphysics, quantum physics, all of it agree. Everything I studied agrees that gratitude is the way, right? There is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. Joy, enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. That's the key. But here's the interesting thing. As much as all of you or almost all of you think that you can take 0.1 seconds at night, 0.1 seconds in the morning, simply to say thank you. And I guarantee that it will literally, I guarantee it will uh, change your life. In fact, if uh, you want to text me, because I have an easy way. So I have my text number pinned up there. It's 949-298-2905. 949-298-2905. Put it in the notes everywhere, guys. 949-298-2905. If you text me a thumbs up or a thank you, something for 30 straight days, I will send you a gift packet from me uh, of books and other items uh, to make sure that your life is better. Uh, so just you know, text me 949-298-2905 for 30 straight days. Uh, and I will uh, send you a gift packet from me um, and would love and also give you a five minute phone call uh, if you'd like as well. Um, so go ahead, text me every day. Why? Because by tonight, although all of us agree that we shouldn't be so busy working or doing other things that we forget to be thankful. Although we all agree that will change our life from the biggest thought leaders to physics, quantum physics and metaphysics by tonight, half of us won't even say thank you by tomorrow morning. Another half of us won't say thank you. And within three days, almost all of us won't say thank you. Even though gratitude, the great appreciator, the great muscle that finds the light, the love, and the lessons that allow us to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential, that allow us to have the desire to be what we can be, the one that reminds us, remembers, and recollects that we're worthy, we're happy, healthy, and wealthy, to create and clear the interference between us and what we already are. Even though all these things are within three days, almost all of us won't say thank you. Why is that? because it's so powerful that it scares us. The ability to find the light, the love and the lessons to be happy, healthy, wealthy and worthy scares us. And we utilize the ego, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty to interfere with what we're afraid of. To interfere with the greatest light, love and lessons that is found through the superpower, the key called gratitude. And gratitude doesn't take all day long in order to effectuate. You can do it in 0.1 seconds and it's free. Simply by saying thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up, you can change your life in 30 straight days. You do it, I promise you will see a quantitative difference in your life. When you feel as if you're getting too busy to forget what you have, use gratitude. Use gratitude to utilize the knowledge, skill, and desire that you have towards what you want, who you can help, who can help you, 
how to get it done with efficiency, effectiveness, and statistical success. Let gratitude give you the lens of productivity, of always providing value. Let it give you the lens of accessibility, making sure that you're accessible to others and accessing what you want. We've talked about the importance of being accessible to those most important to you, as well as accessing or receiving what you want. And of course, use gratitude to know your how you're going to get it done with those lenses and then use gratitude to prioritize what's important to you. Appreciation, adding value to everything by knowing the what, the who, and the how, and use gratitude to apply your why to clear the interference between what you are and what you want to be or think you aren't. You can't find outside of you what you can't find inside of you. And in order to find what you want inside of you, gratitude is the flashlight. It is the ability to find the light, the love, and the lessons inside of you so you can find the light, the love, and the lessons outside of you. It will allow you not to get so busy that you forget to, you, you get so busy uh, making a living, you forget to live. Gratitude won't allow you to do that because the minute you go to gratitude and appreciation is the minute you start taking a self-analysis and evaluation of what's important to you, your health, your family, then the activity that you get paid for. These two things become impossibilities to forget to what you have through gratitude and to get so busy making a living you forget to live. Gratitude also can help you not be so busy working or having activity you get paid for to not get paid. Through appreciation, we are creating and living between limitless and infinity. Through appreciation, we will attract those other people that appreciate it. Remember, Open minds attract open minds. Open-minded people have open hearts. Open-hearted people have open hands. Open-handed people give and receive. Open-handed people give and receive. Don't get so busy living you forget to live. Don't be so busy that you forget what you're thankful for. Don't get so busy working you forget to make money. So don't get so busy that you forget to be thankful. Don't get so busy you forget to be thankful. I went back to the basics of why the cobbler's kids have no shoes. It comes down to gratitude. If you have a practice of appreciation, you will then have a practice of prioritization. If you have a practice of prioritization, you will always know what you want, who can help you and who you can help, how best to get it done with the lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude with the efficiency, effective, and statistical success that you want, you will always know what's important to you. Gratitude is the cornerstone. Gratitude is the tool. Gratitude is the ability to find the light, the love, and the lessons in everything. Gratitude will allow you to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. It will not allow you to be distracted by what other people want, what you don't want, or what's missing. It will not allow you to be affected by other people's judgments and conditions or opinions. It will not allow you to accelerate in the wrong direction. It will allow you to, number one, identify what you're afraid of. It will help you identify the triggers that occur of what you're afraid of. All of those needs to be separate. The needs to be separate to me are defined as the need to be superior or inferior. The need to be angry, anxious, frustrated, or worried. Worried is the biggest waste of emotion, right? Not only does it create resistance, but it's manifesting what you don't want. The need to be offended, right? All of these different needs separate us, create resistance, voids, and shortage. And gratitude 
is the bridge, is the key. Gratitude will allow you to live your life so that you do not get so busy with activities that you are paid for, activities that you are not paid for, to be thankful. Say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. Be one of the 1% of the 1% that can create a habit machine based on appreciation, forgiveness, and accountability and inspiration. To live inspired, you need to use gratitude, the ability to remember, recollect, and remind what you already are, and then determine what you're doing to interfere with it and use gratitude as the key to stop interfering with it. Utilize the greatest source of power, the greatest source of appreciation in order to acknowledge it and give it away. Expand, grow, accelerate through gratitude. If you can do this, you won't be a cobbler who has kids with no shoes. You will flourish in your family life. You will flourish in your activity you get paid for. You will flourish in your rest. You will flourish in your sleep, your water, your food, and your air. You will flourish and grow and expand and accelerate. You will manifest everything you want through gratitude. The cobbler kids has no shoes because he does not have a practice of gratitude. He forgets what he has, takes for granted what other people are wishing for. He gets so busy making a living, he forgets to live. He gets so busy working, he forgets to make money. He gets so busy sleeping, he forgets to get rest. He gets so busy working, he even forgets to be thankful. Don't be that cobbler. Say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. And I promise you, if you can do that for 30 state days, you will go from a conscious gratitude to a subconscious gratitude. A signal will be sent to your unconscious competency. Your quantum being will change. Everything will look differently to you because gratitude will give you that perspective. It will give you a superpower to find the light, the love, and the lessons in everything you do. Please feel free to add questions in here. We got tons up here already. I appreciate everyone. Remember, if you text me uh, a thumbs up, a prayer, a thank you for 30 straight days, I'll send you a gift packet, including some books, 30, uh, five minute phone call with me, 949-298-2905 is my text. My email, if you want me to send you anything, David, those uh, open-ended uh, question template or the five daily practices. It's david at dmelzer.com. Please email me. All right, we're going to start with some questions. Uh, I, I'm going to start with one online and then I'll bring up Jesse Simon. You'll be the first for a question. Uh, do you ever think about big time business deals that you missed out on? Look, when you look to the past, you're nowhere. When you look to the future, you're now here. The only thing that I look at it, big or small, all business deals are equal in size to me. The only thing I look at is what lessons I can learn so that next time I have a larger or small opportunity, whichever way it is. And I don't put size on opportunity because some of the opportunities that would have defined as small turn into huge opportunities. Uh, so every opportunity is equal in size. But if I didn't get an opportunity or a deal, uh, I do not look backwards at that. That puts me nowhere. All I do is move forward with the lesson so that I can get better and utilize that lesson in order to effectuate being able to be more statistically successful in the future with those business deals. Uh, so uh, great question there. Let's bring Jesse Simon on. Welcome, Jesse. 
Hi, everyone. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, I, so my question is, like, you know how you say receive to give? Can you um, just articulate maybe a little bit more in uh, terms that I can, more practical terms, like what we're receiving? Because sometimes when you say source or even frequency, I don't, I guess that just like doesn't really, yeah. like, I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. It's not what I say. It's what you hear. And if I'm speaking in a vernacular, you're losing terms that people don't understand. It's really important. So when I'm talking about receiving, I'm talking about asking for help. I'm also talking about praying. Uh, and uh, both are met, um, modalities of asking for help. So in person, on the phone, via email, social media, uh, all of those. I use my Outlook. I have a template. Outlook has a template that you can click and drag. I click and drag ass uh, over into every email that I send out. You know, do you know anyone that can help me uh, with my podcast? Do you know anyone can help me with my TV shows? Do you know anyone can help me with my training? Do you know anyone can help me with my book? Do you know anyone can help me with my speaking? Do you know anyone can help me share my content? Do you know anyone can help me do good deeds? Do you know anyone can help me can uh, raise money with Unstoppable or Junior Achievement or any other uh, charities that I work with? Uh, all of these things are receiving. And so what I'm saying is the cobbler's kids have no shoes because he's never asking for help from anyone else. And all he's doing is providing shoes to, to everybody else and not providing shoes to his own kids by asking for help with other things that he may be able to effectuate. So whether you're talking about frequency or source, source is just your belief, by the way, source is your belief that there's an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing something that cares about you as much as your parents care about you or cares about you as much as you care about your children. So however you define that, God, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, whatever you want to say, there, I believe, and for me, this is the cornerstone of, of why and how everything good happens, is I believe there's an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that cares about me as much as I care about my children, except for Unlike me, it's omniscient, all-powerful, and all-knowing, whereas a parent, I know I don't know what I don't know, so I best can give my experience to, my dummy tax to, my love to my children, but I don't know what I don't know. I don't know if they should go to college or not. I don't know. They can make their choice. I don't know if they should take a job or not. I don't know what school they should go to. I don't know. All I can do is share my experiences in those matters in order to effectuate some sort of acceleration of situational knowledge to them that hopefully allow them to make a better choice that allows them, most importantly, to utilize the tools, the five daily practices to identify the pain, mistakes, failures, and setbacks and be grateful for giving and accountable for their pain instead of me being blamed, shamed, and justified. Uh, and so for you, you need to understand you got to ask for help. The more you receive and appreciate what you have, the more you have, then you can give it away, acknowledge it, leaving a bigger space, if you ask, to fill it with more, appreciate more, and acknowledge more. This is the process, regardless of the vernacular, of source, frequency, vibration, all the woo-woo BS that I talk about, you know, that most people don't understand. Basically, it comes down to, are you doing what it takes to receive, get what you want 
who can help you and who you can help getting it done efficiently, effectively with statistical success, being able to prioritize things in your life with what's important to you, not your parents, not what's missing or what you don't have. So you can apply your why you can recognize, remember, recollect that you are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy that you're connected to and through an omniscient, all powerful, all knowing source for appreciation, acknowledgement to give it away. Does that sound fair, Jesse? Yes, that does. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you always. Uh, great question. All right, I'm going to take another question on the webinar. I appreciate uh, we're setting records. Over 51,000 people registered for our training that I've done for over 21 years. Uh, I'm going to take a question online. Susan Young, uh, you will come up next uh, on Clubhouse. Uh, here we are. Are limiting beliefs nature- or nurture limiting beliefs uh, a belief exists in three contexts uh, one is in the conscious uh, realm uh, so we limit ourselves and have limiting beliefs consciously uh, and those you know to me uh, are more in the nurture section of things that you know we have been conditioned and consciously to respond or react in a certain way Subconsciously, we get more into a mix of nature and nurture, where the, the, the nurture of the conscious is inputting into the nature of the subconscious that has been genetically and energetically inherited. So there's a mix uh, of creating neural pathways, of habit forming, of you know the 40,000 of the same thoughts that exist in uh, your subconscious. Some have been inherited genetically and energy energetically and some have been placed in there through habits through the enjoyment of the consistent persistent pursuit of your potential so you know in the conscious realm it's nurture in the subconscious realm it's a combo of nature and nurture because you have forty thousand of subconscious thoughts that are effectuating the neural pathways and then i believe it's all uh nature in the unconscious that we have a quantum uh level of understanding of things uh, that we have inherited genetically and energetically uh, through the epigenetic, we can activate uh, different parts of our nature through nurture, uh, but nurture on the conscious, nature and nurture in the subconscious, nature in the unconscious that can be activated by the nurture. Uh, so that combination and balance is what I believe. I could be full of shit, uh, but it works for me. Uh, and hopefully it gives you some insight or, or awareness of what may be going on consciously, subconsciously, and unconsciously for you. Uh, excellent questions today. I'm super fired up. Next up, I have Susan Young. Hi, David. Thank you. This is Susan. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I created a course um, based on my experiences called Career Clarity Roadmap. And it's basically um, what I wish someone had taught me because I got a degree in something. And when I got the job, I hated it. I hated the field. I never really understood what the job was. And recently I spoke to somebody that too got two degrees and said, you know what? I don't want to do those traditional jobs and how to figure it out for herself, the actual application of knowledge. So school gives you general knowledge, but we never are taught about what particular way we want to express these abilities we have. And that's what my course teaches. It's really about understanding how you take knowledge and what exactly you, you feel fired up to do with it. And so my question is, so many people can benefit from this, and everyone has told me that, that it makes it a little bit hard for me to focus because I'm like, okay, do I start with high schools? Do I start with college kids? Do I start with 
clubhouse, you know, it's just, I, I feel like overwhelmed and I'm just not used to asking for people to, to help, to help me. And I just love the way you say it. Is there anybody that could help me? It sounds so much kinder and gentler than, than saying, you know, do you want to buy my product? You know, it's like, it's, it's just a softer way. So my question is in, in your experience, where would you advise me to start with um, promoting my course and my, my philosophy that we spend so much time preparing what college we want to go. We visit colleges, but we don't really visit jobs. We don't really say, okay, why am I getting this degree? What is it preparing me for? And is this something I would really want to do? I mean, I never really met anybody that was a CPA doing, you know, auditing work to see if it's what I like, but I was good at math, did it and hated it. So we're not taught to say, why am I getting all these degrees? We rack up debt and uh, rack up degrees, and then we end up not even using them in, in a career because we're of not course. taught to understand who we are and yeah. what energizes us. So, Susan, great point, right? So what's happening is, is people aren't taking inventory of their skills, their knowledge, and their desire and aligning it uh, to what's doing well, what's stable, or what they think is going to do well. They're not looking at the careers, industries, jobs, et cetera, that uh, are aligned with those skills, knowledge, and desire. And so, you know, just as a, a summary of why what you do is so important, and then more importantly, to answer your question, uh, this is a critical question that applies to everyone because we all have a resistance to asking for help, which is why, you know, over all these years, I have developed what I call, you know, an acknowledgement of, do you know anyone that can help me? Because it encompasses it encompasses where we're at. And so more importantly, where do we start? Uh, instead of looking for a specific avatar, Susan, which is a big yes. mistake, what you want to do is you want to start where, not in the fact, like not who, but where. So in, in person, you in person, on the phone, via email, and traditional and social media, you want to ask that question. I have an open-minded template you do not have a specific avatar to build a business. This is true for everyone. If you want to build your business or you want to help other people, all you need to do is every day practice asking who, and who can help you and who can you help. And so I created an open-minded template to find open minds because it takes a thousand times the energy to find or to change a closed mind than it does an open one. So what you want to do is find in person someone and say, hey, are, are you familiar with this? What do you do today? What do you like about it? What don't you like it? Why do you think it is that people don't align their skills, knowledge, and desire with what their activity they get paid for is? Do you have any, and then you start getting to, well, how can I be of service to you? Oh, do you know anyone that can help me? And if you get to open minds, they have a open hearts and open hands, but they also have a network of other people because open-minded people, which is proven here on Clubhouse, hang out with open-minded people. And so I suggest that you start focusing in on practicing, asking to determine one, if somebody has an open mind, and as you get better at determining if they have an open mind, practicing finding out are you a power sponsor or a sponsor? A power sponsor is someone that can actually help you 
and know people that can help you. A sponsor is someone that just knows someone that can help you. And if you understand segmentation, aggregation, acceleration, that will build just like Noah built his arc, two by two by two by two, your business or your venture or your charity or whatever it is your objective is will grow exponentially if you make a practice out of number one, finding open minds, and two, determining through open questions if they're a sponsor or a power sponsor. I'll send everybody a template that you can practice doing this. And I promise you, guarantee quantitatively, this plus gratitude will exponentially allow you to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Does that sound fair, Susan? Yes. So that's what I should um, ask for, the open-minded template? Yeah, I'll email it to you, david at dmelter.com, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. That's great. great. Very common. All right. I'm going to take another question online. Thomas Johnson, you'll be up next. Um, a question online. What's the most valuable lesson you learned this week? Uh, you know, for me, this is uh, really important uh, because I actually learned it today. Um, I had an employee uh, that went way out of their way to be here in Chicago with me. And uh, it made me recognize uh, something about illumination, something about open-mindedness and kindness. Um, anyway, flew overnight and realized uh, that you need a credit card in order to uh, get a car. And, you know, my initial reaction is I got to be down in Indiana is, you know, frustration. I'm not have a car. Why, why didn't he tell me he didn't have a credit card? Well, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Um, and, uh, I'm sure like when I was broke um, and I'm going to share this story. I really haven't told anyone when, when, when I got my first job, uh, you know, a job that made me a millionaire nine months out of law school, selling legal research online. Uh, I was broke, right? I, I didn't have a credit card. I had terrible credit. I had all kinds of messed up things that had happened to me economically because I was broke. You know, I had a single mom who raised six kids got a scholarship to college. My siblings all got scholarships. And now I took out law loans, but I had nothing. But meanwhile, I had an expense account, but I had no way to rent cars. I had no way to rent the Oakwood. I, it was awful. And yes, I learned resiliency, but I also learned to ask for help because I needed to find a way uh, to be able to do the things I needed to do so I could make a million dollars nine months out of law school. And I felt the same way today the same frustration uh, that uh, my bosses may have had when I made uh, these mistakes of not being radically humble and asking for help and saying, hey, I don't have this, can you help me? Uh, which they were glad to do when I explained the situation uh, and it enabled me to make more money, help more people and have more fun. And instead of getting really aggravated, uh, you know, it gave me an opportunity to help this person. So I'm gonna help him like I was helped get a credit card. He also totaled his car this week and, you know, there was no one there. And I, I remember just being in tears, not knowing what to do. And humility was the key to my happiness, uh, being able to illuminate the fact that, look, I have the skills, the knowledge and the desire to be hugely successful in your company. Um, but I just grew up poor. And because I grew up poor, I've been focusing in on what I don't have and embarrassed of what I don't have. And instead of asking for help, so I do have the things that are necessary to level the playing field. I have another employee, it was so funny, that was here with me. And he grew up in an affluent uh, family and, you know, he never even realized, one, 
that you needed a credit card to rent a car because he always had a credit card and he, he never understood the frustration, anxiety, fear of not having certain things. And I think it brought an appreciation uh, to him of what some people go through for the simplest things that he doesn't and never had to worry about. I always joke around when I get on stages, I say, who here grew up poor? And I say, I feel sorry for the rest of you. Now, this kid that didn't have the credit card also, you know, until he had to illuminate and couldn't get the card, you know, figured out how to get here. Like all these different things he did, like borrowed a ride, which I don't suggest anyone does. He actually had the lady who gave him a ride, offered to rent the car for, I mean, just all this stuff I used to go to. And, you know, the lesson that I learned is sometimes it's just as important to ask for help as it is to make people comfortable asking for help if we're in a position to help them. So, you know, not only is it important to ask for help, but it's so much important to say, is there anything I can do for you? I know you totaled your car. Anything I can do to help you? Is there anything I can do to you to help you get a credit card? Anything I can do for you, uh, you know, for whatever else you may need? So it's a two-way thing in the who realm of not only knowing what you want, but who can help you and who you can help. And I'm going to really, you know, make sure that not only am I utilizing and teaching people to ask for help, but I want to teach people to make other people comfortable asking for help. Uh, and so that's my, my lesson here. All right. Next up on Clubhouse, Thomas Johnson. Hey, David, how you doing? Amazing, man. Thanks for joining me. Of course, of course. Yeah. So, um, David, I know we're both huge practitioners of gratitude and manifestation, and we've made it part of our lifestyle. And has been has really really um, helped us tremendously, but I'm not sure if a lot of folks here understand how to get in the gratitude state, right? The emotion, the the feel. If you could further explain that, that'd be amazing. Oh, thank you, and I really appreciate it. So I think you know understanding feeling first of all is important. Feeling is emotion, and that's energy in motion. Uh, so utilizing gratitude to shift our energy. Uh, is the essential awareness that's necessary to understand. See, logic cannot change emotion. Logic's not an emotion. And so what people do is they try to think gratitude. So they utilize and think, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, you know, let it go, let it go, let it go. All forms of logical gratitude, uh, but it's not going to shift your emotion because logic doesn't shift your emotion. Action does. Action creates energy. All the greatest physicists in the world from Einstein on will tell you nothing happens until it moves. And so in order to make a practice of gratitude, you got to get off your ass. You got to utilize the law of Goya, right? Get off your ass in conjunction with the thoughtfulness, because thoughtfulness, unlike logic, thoughtfulness is the utilization of energy and motion in order to effectuate an activity, that activity should be one of a higher frequency or vibration, one of good. And so I always tell people, if you want to have a practice of gratitude, then you need to have activities of gratitude. If you're sitting there anxious, frustrated, angry, worried, separate, inferior, superior, guilty, resentful, then go do something. Go do something for someone else. Go volunteer, go pick up trash, go smile, give somebody a hug, a handshake, Go help someone with their groceries, whatever it may be. When you are utilizing the source, utilizing the activity of a higher self by being and pursuing your own potential, it will shift your energy. When we shift your energy, 
it will create an emotional shift, that energy emotional shift. And gratitude is one of the key elements of doing that, that the practice of gratitude is an activity of gratitude. It's not just the logic of gratitude. It is the thoughtfulness, which is the combination of thinking about these great thoughts, finding the light, the love, and the lessons, but creating activity and executing on it in the real world. I'm writing a book right now called Reconciliation that reconciles, you know, patience and persistence, money and faith. Uh, the reconciliation between this logic and thoughtfulness is another reconciliation that's difficult, counterintuitive, creates resistance, void shortages and obstacles. And guess what the key to reconciliation in all of those matters are? between money and faith, between patience and persistence, and between thoughtfulness and logic, it's gratitude. Uh, and that gratitude is a practice. The way the conscious continuum works is that we have a cellular memory that needs to have repetitive thoughts in order to input. So if you want things inputted in your system, you got to say them, you have to see them, smell them, taste them, or hear them. So that's why you got to say thank you. And then when you do that 30 straight days, it goes into your subconscious mind, you know, from that nurture into the nature nurture of the subconscious mind where gratitude becomes one of the 40,000 is one of the most powerful 40,000 thoughts you have. So that subconsciously is working in your favor when you sleep or when you're not consciously putting effort forward. And then it's sending a signal to your unconscious, that nurture side of what we have in our quantum being, our genetics that we've inherited energetically and genetically, that gratitude becomes our being. And now we get the exponential uh, facet of that. Uh, so use gratitude in order to effectuate gracious activity. For example, receiving and giving are both gracious activities, acknowledgement, appreciation, gracious activities, smile, picking up trashes, putting a cart back at the grocery store, waving at people, smile, you know, just this activity of positivity is the formation and the affirmation of gratitude. Putting it into motion will create the emotional effect that you're looking for, Thomas. Does that sound fair? Sounds good. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, let's take another question online. And then Vini, call, you are up next. If I misspelled your, your name, please let me know. Um, I make it a point to say thank you every morning and every night. I'd really like to help some very important people in my life look for the evidence of great good fortune they have and develop awareness of gratitude for all they have. Yeah, people take for granted what other people are wishing for but there's actually people that take for granted what they themselves have wished for. And uh, this type of entitlement is very common. I did it myself, uh, forgetting uh, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication. Uh, so what we need to do is meet people where they're at and remind them, recollect, and remember how important it is. And the way that we do this is one, that open-ended question guide, but through open-ended questions, Instead of telling people, instead of preaching and teaching people and demanding and commanding people, we just want to question, you know, why do you like that? Why don't you like that? You know, allow them to utilize the process uh, of the conscious continuum in order to effectuate understanding. If you can't, you're still planting seeds under trees that you may never sit under. You 
definitely want to utilize the great chain of bleeding to determine you know, how much energy, time, emotion, and value you want to put into a closed mind or how closed that mind is. But in the end, when we start opening someone's mind or allowing them to process it themselves by utilizing questions that bring up the issues that may transform or transcend or transition them or through stories of how you experience something may impact them much more than you just telling them, teaching them or preaching them uh, to be grateful, for example, something that seems to be of common sense. I used to, you know, think about uh, how stupid I was when I was young and I had friends that were depressed. And, you know, my strategy of helping people uh, especially those that were anxious, frustrated, depressed, was, hey, just look at uh, the glass half full. No, that doesn't work, right? Understanding works. Praying for people's happiness works. Meeting them where they're at, asking questions to see how you can be of service or value or how they can be of service or value to you. Both create evidence of gratitude. Both are a practice of gratitude. Both allow you to utilize the law of gravity to remind, recollect, and remember that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. That you are uh, utilizing the law of Goya, getting off your ass, enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, that you must be what you can be. And then understanding the law of allowance, that you're not changing them, that you're allowing them to learn, to grow, and change through the questions and the stories and the lessons that they've learned. Utilize the law of gravity, gravity, the law of Goya and the law of attraction in order to help people find the light, the love and the lessons, the evidence of the great or good fortune that they already have. Allow them not to take for granted what other people are wishing for or what they themselves have been listening for. Okay, next up on Clubhouse, our last guest on Clubhouse, Vini Cowell, welcome to Clubhouse. Hey, David. Nice to see you. Like I said, it's my cousin, Vinny. My cousin, I, and I keep screwing that up. If you would only realize, just once again, proof of uh, the improvement I made. So my cousin, Vinny, is in the house. What's up, Vinny? <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, David, first of all, I love, and hello, Jake. How can I miss Jake? Yeah, um, nobody misses Jake. Exactly, exactly. Um, so... I love coming to your rooms because it it gives me all the teachings my grandfather um, used to teach me. So I feel I feel very nice coming here. So David, uh, gratitude is something uh, you know I've been practicing. You know I uh, because God gave us another chance to live. We were almost getting killed by terrorists. We left left the place. So. I breathe and, you know, just for being alive, I, I do practice that. And I try and do the best I can do to help others, you know, because at the end of the day, it's between me and God. The problem I have is um, somehow when we were in a place where we just, my parents and I had just three suitcases with clothes, we had to leave everything. It was very hard for us. And not many people came for help. And it was very sad to see that. Now I'm at a place where I have owned my story. Let me tell you, I hid this story from the world. I just, I didn't want to 
uh, face that trauma again. But I've reached a place where I'm in the process of giving a TED talk next year. Hopefully I get accepted. And somehow I feel this hesitation, like even coming to you, you have said this many times. And the problem I have, the people I connect with have to be aligned with my values and you are one of them. I feel this hesitation. Or oh, will David have time? What is it in for him? And these things cloud me. And then I'm, I end up, I end up, end up with nothing. Do you, do you see the hesitation in my voice right now? Yeah. So here, the, the difficulty lies in that hesitation. That's in a classic example of interference. And so what we want to do is a four-step process, Vinny, uh, to help you. And you're, you're right there. You know, you're, you're turning, you know, your uh, victim to victory. You're, you're turning your excuses to your story. And in order to do so, there's four things I want you to do when you feel the hesitation. That's the interference. Number one, I want you to explore why, right? I want you to ask yourself, is this a need to be afraid, anxious, frustrated, angry, separate, inferior, superior? Is this a need to be resentful or offended? Is it a need to feel guilty? Is it a need, you know, and I think you'll start identifying the need of the ego that's triggering this interference for you. Then what I want you to do is breathe through your nose and out through your mouth and remind yourself and recollect what you want to inspire and empower that the values that you have that are so aligned with mine. You want to remind yourself basically the direction you want to go, not accelerate in what's missing, what you don't have, or what's hurt you, the mistakes of the past. If you look to the past in that direction, you'll be nowhere. If you look to the future in the direction of what you want, you'll be now here. And so if you can identify the triggers and then breathe and then remind, remember, and recollect what you want, you will roll in the right trajectory, be more efficient, effective, and statistically successful. You'll clear the interference to what is between you and what you already are, happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. You'll turn all of those excuses into your story, you will go from nowhere to now here. You will do the TED Talk. You will inspire millions of people. It's done, it's done, it's done. Thank you, Vinny, so much for joining us. We got 10 o'clock right on the dock. It is our Friday training. The Cobbler's Kids Have No Shoes. Next week's topic is forgiving yourself. Remember, apply for season three of Two Minute Drill. Win $50,000 of cash and prizes. Go ahead, email me, david at dmelter.com. If you want the open-minded template, the five daily practices, my ebook, my audio book. If you want me to sign a book, send it to you, pay for shipping. For you, a friend, it doesn't matter. Remember tonight, Office Hours on Bloomberg TV. Check it out tonight on Bloomberg. Email me, please, and then text me at 949-298-2905. 30 straight days, I'll send you a care package for changing your life. Most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. I love you all.